Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right-brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. Marketing your business can sometimes feel slimy, inauthentic, and overwhelming most of the time, especially for creative entrepreneurs who are constantly striving to have really genuine and sincere marketing to reach their dream clients. In a game that feels like it's always changing the rules, having a guide to walk you through this daunting task in business is incredibly necessary. If quitting your nine to five corporate job and jumping in head first into pursuing your dream business and life is on your radar, then you are in the right place today. Welcome back to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you all to a very new face and a new friend, Sam. Sam, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And that intro was incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is, I I took part of it from your website. So Sam (laughs) is a brand and mindset coach here in Leadville, Colorado. And she really uh, prides herself on helping her clients discover their business calling and build their dream business. She has worked from all with all creatives, from coaches to artists, photographers, and more. She really finds her superpower, it sounds like, in helping her dream clients quit their nine to five jobs. And what I love, Sam, that you talk about on your website is really honing in on ethical marketing. And I'm really excited to hear more about this because we, I feel like in this coaching industry, I'm a coach as well for photographers. You see everything in in marketing. And a lot of times it does feel really inauthentic, really unethical, really slimy. And especially in the coaching world, I feel like it's hard to differentiate who's in it for the right reasons and actually teaching valuable content, who's in it for the wrong reasons and teaching really unethical marketing. And I have had a personal experience with this. So as far as, you know, who I have hired. And so I'm really excited to hear about your journey and why this is such a passion for you. Cause I imagine there's some depth here in your story. Yeah, absolutely. I think ethical marketing is a really complex topic that, you know, we're often really bombarded with a lot of messages of like what we should be doing to be successful with our marketing. And I think ethical marketing looks different for everyone. And what it comes down to, I think, is um, that it's really rooted in empowering the person that you are marketing to to make the right decision for them and not manipulating them into a sale. So for me, that's kind of like the root of ethical marketing. We can get into more details about that. But I have struggled with my relationship with marketing over the years, and I think I've started to really find this sweet spot still learning and still growing, of course, but that's something that I really love helping my clients uh, work through as well. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let's jump in. I would love for you to share your story with us. Yeah. So first I'll just give a little intro of like how I got into coaching. I went to school for something completely different, graduated college, landed what I thought was my dream job and 
within two years, I worked myself into pretty extreme burnout. I hit what I call my burnout rock bottom, which I was so stressed out and um, just so burnt out that one weekend my partner took me to the mountains. We were living on the front range at the time to try and like have a weekend of de-stressing. And I remember getting up to this top of a mountain with an incredible view and I couldn't enjoy it. I was like in tears because I was so stressed out about work. And I had this moment where I realized in this kind of rock bottom point that I had hit in my burnout that I was no longer living. And this isn't the life that I wanted to have for myself anymore. I couldn't even enjoy my weekends because I needed my weekends to process the stress of the week. So this was really my like pivotal turning moment was on top of that mountain in tears. And around that time, I dove into a lot of personal development and just self-discovery. I started working with a coach myself and had such an incredible experience and it kind of sparked something for me. And I realized that this was something that I could do as well is start a coaching business. So I quit my job, started a coaching business, decided to build a tiny house, traveled the country for six months with my partner and I'm pretty sure some of our like family members and friends thought we were totally crazy, but I don't regret a single a single one of those uh, big life decisions that's led me here. So I'm really grateful that I listened to my intuition in that rock bottom burnout moment. Yeah, it's, it is it is those rock bottom burnout moments, though, that we get so much clarity, right? Like, I had a very similar experience um, in the corporate world. I had only been there for six weeks at this job, and I thought it was my dream job. But then all of a sudden, the hours that they were expecting, the compensation that they were giving, I was like, I can't do this. And I had gone through a big shift in my family life um, that I was not expecting that got very abruptly just kind of exploded in my family, in my you know immediate family life. And so uh, my husband and I, at the time boyfriend, we were camping and he was like, what do you want to be doing when you're 30? At the time I was 24 and I was like a photographer, obviously. And he was like, okay, well, you got six years before that. And um, it's going to take that long to get your business up and running by itself. And yeah, it was, it was right at that burnout point. And again, it had only been six weeks in the corporate world, but I was like, nope, there, I, I don't need any more answers or clarity. This is what I need to be doing. So I commend you for listening to that intuition. And I, before we jump into the meat of our conversation, Sam, I know I'm not the only one wondering about your tiny house life. So will you please share about your tiny life and maybe like your favorite place that you got to travel in that six month period of soul searching and figuring out what was next for you? Yeah. So my partner and I decided to build a tiny house a couple years ago. We built it ourselves with some hired help, but it's totally a non-traditional decision to make to decide to live in a tiny house. So our house is on a 24 by eight and a half foot trailer. uh, So it's movable. And this is our second location that we've lived in here in Leadville um, in the tiny house. We love it. It's really simplified our lifestyle and it's perfect for us. It's, it was a decision that was really rooted in freedom for us building time freedom, financial freedom, lifestyle freedom. So it's really aligned with our values and just the way that we want to live. And some people might think that we're totally crazy, but we're really (laughs) happy here in this little tiny house and we love it and it feels like home to us. So 
<laughs> Can you talk more on what that looks like? I feel like you make one decision that you think is small, like living tiny, and it has a ripple effect through your whole life, like simplicity and freedom. Can you touch on that more, especially now that you're in a career that you have ultimate like location freedom, client freedom? Can you touch more on that, that, that ripple effect that happens when you make a small decision? Yeah, for me, I think the thing that came to top of mind, like what this ripple effect is for me is listening to my gut. We, I think like when we make a decision, like when we made the decision to go tiny and to build the tiny house, it was scary. We were kind of like, is this what's right for us? Is it not? But we just kind of knew that we had this feeling of excitement around it. And I knew in my gut that it would be right for us. And I think for me, that's really had a ripple effect in other areas of my life too. Um, it's been a lesson in trusting my intuition and trusting that I know what's best for me and the life that I want to live. And I think that that has played out in business as well and in a lot of other life decisions too. That's amazing. So I want to I want to know, it sounds like you go against the grain in a lot of areas of, of your life. And so inevitably, yes. <laughs> you are going to get those family members who are like, you're doing what? You're quitting your job to do what? a coach, what is even a coach? And you're, you're moving out of your home to live in a trailer so you can park it. Like, what was that like? <laughs> what, what were some of those challenges or like limiting beliefs that you had to overcome to get to where you are now? Or what, what was some of that negative feedback that you were like, thank you. I'm still going mm. with what I know to be true in my heart of hearts. Yeah. I think a few things. One, I learned to set some boundaries around talking about my life decisions with certain people in my life. Um, two, I think I always knew that concern from close friends and family always came out of a place of love for them. Like they were just worried that we were going to make the wrong decision for ourselves. And I could accept that. And also I had to really come to a place where I understood that that said more about them than it did about me. It said more Ooh. about their own internal limiting beliefs than it did about my own life decisions. So I think I really had to learn to put on my adult pants in a certain sense and stand firm in my own decisions and the things that I knew that were right for me and communicate that to the people that maybe doubted some of the decisions that we've made. And yeah, just grounding myself in the fact that I knew what was best for myself and that other people's concerns and doubts said so much more about them than it did about my own ability to achieve my goals and to um, make the right decisions. How did you hone in that skill of trusting your your gut? Because for a lot of us, we just ignore our gut and that's what keeps us complacent in where we are. And we, and when we are receiving too much feedback, not only from people that we love, but I imagine if you post a photo on social media of you and your tiny house, you're going to get feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. How did you hone in that skill of really just trusting what it is that you need to be doing for yourself? Yeah, good question. I think first it started with me completely ignoring it and that's what led me to my rock bottom burnout. Yeah. Um, I knew something needed to change. I was miserable. I was led there because I was, I was creating a life around what I thought other people expected of me and not what I actually wanted. So I knew something needed to change. And then I think 
just hiring a lot of support through therapists and coaches along the way too has been really powerful for me as well to just reground myself in what I know is true and the things that I really want and the things I really desire. That's beautiful. Beautifully said, Sam. Okay, so I am I am very excited to get into the meat of this topic, which I think is ethical marketing. I really struggle with the world we live in right now, especially the the coaching world because you don't know what you're getting when you hire somebody. On top of that, there is training that you can do as a coach, but I know for me my experience was switching from photography or not switching, but making that transition from, you know, shooting all the time to now mentoring was like, Hey, I know things. Do you trust me? And so there, there was this trap that I fell into of unethical marketing and what I thought I should be doing and how I should be running my business because there weren't that many people doing it differently. Um, one of the things, Sam, that I noticed about you and that I do as well is your prices are right on your website. And to me, that is the first step in ethical marketing is letting people know transparently, here's what you're getting into. I did that for my photography business and it paid us back in leaps and bounds, just being transparent about what we offered, what we didn't offer. And here's what the price was. Um, But whenever I moved into the coaching world, I did not put my prices on my website. And that never felt good to me jumping on a call with somebody and not giving them all the information that they needed until I had them on a call. That felt very manipulative. But again, nobody else in the industry was doing it any other way. It was keep it a secret, hide the price, get them on the phone and then guilt them, you know, not guilt them. I mean, I definitely wasn't guilting people into working with me, but like, it's hard to say no to somebody that you want to work with when you're on the phone with them. And they tell you the price and their sticker shock. So I I definitely want to hear why this is a pillar in, in your business and kind of your your approach to ethical marketing. I would love to get deep into this. Yeah, as far as the like price transparent transparency thing goes, I think I've had the same experience. I've learned that by just being really upfront with my prices. Not only am I going to, the people that are going to hop on sales calls with me are going to already know the price and not be like, you know, have that like shock factor when I say my price. But I think for me, that's really rooted in creating nervous system safety for the person that I'm having the conversation with. So not trying to perpetuate any sort of shame or guilt in them in order to make a sale out of them, but seeing them as the full human being that they are and also the autonomous human being that they are, that they can make the right decisions for themselves and just empowering them to make the right decision, whether that's a yes or a no, or maybe that's the foundation for me of what ethical marketing means. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably one of the most well-versed sentences that has ever been on this podcast. I want to record that and put it on verbatim on my website because I I agree with you 110% whenever we aren't giving people this full authentic experience, we're treating them like a, like a two-year-old who can't make their own decisions, who can't think for themselves. And the way you worded it was just so beautiful. They are like giving them that autonomy that you know what's best. You know what budget you are capable of handling and not handling. Oh my gosh, that was so perfectly worded. Thank you for that. Thank you. Did you ever yeah. have an experience where um, where that wasn't the case for you? And how did that go? Yeah, I have had not great experiences being sold to. And I think in this day and age, most people have. 
Um, and that's a lot of the reasons why as entrepreneurs, we have these icky feelings around sales and marketing is because we've been sold to in a way that wasn't what was best for us or that felt really icky or sleazy in some way. So yeah, I had an experience working in a mastermind with a coach that was not not what I had expected. And the, her selling process leading into the program wasn't great either. I didn't know the price going into it. And I felt a sense of needing to kind of please her in the sales call, feeling like her emotions were a part of my responsibility. And I wanted <gasps> to make her happy. Ooh, that's so and powerful, Sam. What a powerful observation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think that's a part of ethical marketing too, is letting, letting your leads know that they are not responsible for the way you feel. And really for me, that looks like letting them know right at the beginning that I'm unattached to what their response is, that really I just want what is best for them. And if that's a no, I will celebrate it too. So I think just like being really upfront with that and the way you communicate with leads um, can be valuable both for you and for the person as well that you're speaking to. That's, that is incredible. Um, I had a very similar experience with the first business coach that I ever hired. Um, and it it kind of was this like thread of not really sure which version I was going to get of this person. I wasn't sure, yeah, what the price was going into it, even though I filled out the whole application, which to me is really manipulative because then it feels like you feel like you're committed, even though you don't have one of the most important pieces of information. And so um, filled out the application, went through that whole process they wanted to jump on a call and I was like, okay, I'm trying to trust this process. And I was at a point from a consumer standpoint where I had never asked for help. I had never hired a coach. I had got a college degree in something I was never going to use. And so I hadn't done this like additional education. And so I was battling with those feelings of like, does this not feel good in my soul because of this person? Or does it not feel good because this is a new experience and I'm not used to asking for help? So I had a really hard time navigating that. Um, the person that I hired was not the same person in real life that they were on camera and in social media. And so the person in real life, I really love spending time with and connecting with. But when this person moved into a role as coach and on social media, it was a, a very different person with a very different approach to business and uh, morally than, than I was. And so I felt like I had been duped completely because of that inauthenticity in the marketing in how they showed up. And that was on me too. Like that, that was, I did not do enough research as a consumer, but that, that was a pivotal change for me. And I remember calling one of my best friends who is, who is a life coach. And I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not showing up for this career. Like I feel called to do this, but I'm not going to, if this is what it feels like. And she was like, it's not, I promise. But it took me a while to like uncover from that burn of, you know, yeah. blindly hiring. And I, I do have students um, that I'm working with right now, my photography students who are like, you know what, I got burned two years ago, and I have not recovered from it. And I don't know if I can fully trust you. And one of my mm -hmm. students, I just told on our call, I said, you're going to do this with or without me, you will be running a six figure photography business if that is your goal with or without me. My goal is to help you get there from point A to point B a heck of a lot faster than if you do it on your own, but you don't need me. But if you want to work together and that felt so good. And I really battled with whether or not I should tell her that because it's true. She's going to do it without me, but I don't like the, the, the coaching approach of like, you can't do this without me. You will not be successful yeah. without me. That just, ugh. 
Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I I know I just word vomited for a few minutes, but no, that was that was so much gold in there. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that you were touching on is the like not creating a system of dependency with your clients, and I think this is how we view ourselves in relation to our clients as a coach too. You kind of like explained this this uh, experience that you had where it was almost like this coach was above you in some sort of like hierarchy and Mm -hmm. that they were, you know, almost like telling you, I don't know if this is your exact experience, but creating this system where like you couldn't do it without them. And I think like when we think about ethical marketing and just like our brand values and our values as people too, it sounds to me like it's really important to you that you fully believe in your client's success, like with or without you. And you view them on a human to human level too. It's not this weird hierarchy. It's just you're helping them with the skill and you're equals when it comes down to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I do love that you use the word ethical marketing versus authentic marketing because authentic is one of those words that has been thrown around kind of like epic or like stoked like it's just like it's like lost its luster like anybody who uses the word authentic it's just it kind of like sends a shock for your body like oh if you've got to point it out is this actually an authentic way of running a business and so it's definitely lost I think it's true meaning um especially whenever you add in social media where people can Um, one of the, I saw like a meme or something with people who preach about authenticity, but then they have this like glow filter on their stories when they show up and it's like, you're, you're trying to cover up all your, like, you know, all your blemishes, but here you are preaching authenticity. How does that, Mm. how do those two things go together? Yeah. So tell me, tell me more, Sam, about the people that you work with, who is your dream client and like, how, how do they find you? What, what is it about you that they are drawn to? Yeah, my dream client is a creative entrepreneur that is building a business that they are extremely passionate about. So a business that they're really, they feel really like soul connected to that they're trying to make this world a better place in some, some, some small way in their own um, little corner of the world. And I really love supporting them to build a business that's in congruence with their values Um, which a lot of times looks like the ethical marketing. That's where this piece comes in. And yeah, so sometimes that looks like other coaches. I've worked with photographers before. Um, I, it's really interesting. I think one of the reasons why people, why my clients find me is just because like you said, we, you know, that authentic word is a little bit overused, but I really try to be like who I am in my marketing as well. So just on Instagram, like it's just me, it's who I am. (laughs) Um, And I think that people are drawn to that. And I think that that is a really important piece that you touched on earlier too. Like you had this experience where someone seemed different in their marketing and in in their business than they were in real life. And that's what was really Mm -hmm. shocking to you. So like, if that's not a lesson, yeah. Yeah. Like if that's not, if that's not a lesson to just like learn to be your full self in your marketing and in your business, then I don't know what it is. I think that's, yeah, that's a way that we like draw in our ideal people is just by being ourselves. I, um, one of the biggest compliments that I get from my students is, um, with, with my photography students, we host an in-person retreat. And one of the biggest compliments that I get whenever we finally meet in person, they're like, holy crap, you're the same person 
in real life as you were on the Zoom calls, as you were on your Instagram stories, as I hoped you were going to be. And to me, that's the biggest compliment because I don't want to slight anybody and give them this false impression of who I am and then show up in real life and I'm not at all that person or I was putting on face or just trying to reel people in so they would hire me to be their coach and then let them down. And yeah, that to me is one of the biggest compliments. And it doesn't, it's not to say that you have to be an outgoing extrovert who like, I love the camera. I love being in front of the camera. But not everybody does. And so for if you know, like, you've got to live into your truest, purest version of yourself and what you're willing to share in, yeah. within your business, whether that means you prefer to be behind the scenes, or you like not being on camera, you know, you just have to show up in a way that feels sincere for you. Yeah. And I think there's so many ways to build a business this day and age. I love that you just said that. Like if you're not an extrovert, you don't have to you don't have to try and be someone you're not. Like there's a way for you to find success and it's by just honoring yourself and finding a strategy that works for you and that honors who you are. And when I first started my business, I I actually like waited a while to start my coaching business because I had this belief that I was too introverted to be successful and to not only like be successful as an entrepreneur, but just with marketing as well. I saw a lot of the coaches that were out there that were successful, were super extroverted, like showing up all of the time, super bubbly on camera. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. That's just not me. And so I held myself back for a long time with that, that limiting belief too. And so that's one of the core things, how I operate my business as well is just like honoring fully who you are and finding a strategy that works for you. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. So Sam, what would you say to somebody who's out there? Like, what is a coach? Aren't you just a therapist? Like, cause I get that question a lot. Like what is an actual coach, which I feel like it's just for anybody listening, the millennials term for a mentor or a um, consultant, but in your words, how would you explain to somebody what a coach is and what you do specifically for creative entrepreneurs? Yeah. So one of the ways I like to describe coaching versus therapy is therapy can be a little bit more about diving into the past, healing and processing your emotions and your traumas and like really looking backwards to help heal you in the now. And I view coaching as helping you get into action, asking you, okay, where do you want to go now? What, what does this future look like for you? And really helping you create your future uh, in a way that is designed around what you really want in life. So um, a lot of times for me, that looks like just asking my clients a lot of deep questions to help them kind of get down to their own conclusions and um, just providing them the space to work out a lot of ideas and brainstorming things and work through all of the emotional roller coasters that comes with entrepreneurship. And yeah, just really being their, their mirror, I would say. Yeah, if if I could add to that too, I um I coached soccer and lacrosse um, when I was in high school and college, and then shortly after I moved to Colorado, I was looking for my community, so I started coaching lacrosse, yeah. and the coach's job is to see strengths in yourself, like in in other people that they don't know are there and focus on those strengths for the greater good of whether it's, you know, their journey, the team's journey. And so that's one of my favorite things about coaching is getting to know people on such an intimate level and go, this is a strength that you don't know you have. And this is what we need to be focusing on because our culture is so 
has so ingrained in us to focus on our weaknesses and fix that as opposed to focus on our strengths and hone in on that and just pour Mm -hmm. gasoline on the fire that's already there. And so I personally, I have a hat that says coach on it. I'm looking at it right now. One of my girlfriends got it for me and I love the idea of being a coach and focusing on what people have already that's already there that that's already there but pulling that out and especially whenever it's in an in an entrepreneurial setting Mm -hmm. um really allowing them to experience that fully and take it in whatever direction they want to i love that you said that so much i think i totally agree the like part of our job as a coach is to see the beauty in our clients and see that they're incredible strengths and help them leverage those. I also think um, a lot of times our culture makes us believe that some sort of quality about ourselves is a weakness. And I think that one of the things that I love helping clients do is to kind of reframe that and try and figure out how this quality can be a strength of theirs. So you know, for the example, for me, I thought I was too introverted to be a successful entrepreneur for a really long time. And come to find out my introvertedness actually is one of my superpowers when it comes to my business. I love, I love holding space. I love deep listening with my clients. And some of those are some of the skills that come naturally to me as an introvert. And I've had some recent clients that are ADHD as well. And, you know, sometimes our culture tells them that, these are weaknesses or something about themselves that they need to hide. And really, I love like helping clients reframe that and say like, no, actually, this is your strength. And like, how can we use this? And how can we design a business around you that like sets you up to fully thrive and to fully succeed? Oh, my gosh, I was just going to ask you what what you thought your your superpower is as a coach yeah. is, is it that that holding space and listening and that deepness that that deepness, that depth that you have? Yes, I think, yeah, that's a very good question. I think the holding space, the deep listening, the reading in between the lines of what my clients Mm -hmm. are saying too, of like catching little like bits of body language or just like certain pauses and helping them dive in deeper to whatever, whatever that is and um, helping them really uncover their deeper inner knowing and trusting their own intuition as well. Awesome. So awesome. I like, oh my gosh, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like my superpower, I can get people energized very quickly about their strengths. I've, 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 I've had students who are like, they say the same thing. I don't know what it is about introversion and extroversion, but they'll say I'm, I'm too introverted to do to be a wedding photographer. And I'm like, no, you're not because you're introverted. Like here's an opportunity. You value one-on-one time much more than these, like let's focus on elopements. How do elopements sit with you? How do intimate weddings sit with you? How does that feel in you? Um, I'm an extrovert shocker. I'm an extrovert. So like, give me the big wedding, the big parties. I'll make fun of uncle Bob and make, you know, like I love to make people laugh. And so, um, (laughs) I, I like, I I don't mind being the center of attention when I have to be, but I definitely don't take that away from my couple, but it's, I know when I need to step in and when I need to take a step back, if you're introverted, great, let's, let's work, let's utilize that as a strength to create these super deep connections with your clients that they want to be with you for forever and ever. Amen. Um, Thanks for asking. Nobody ever asks those questions. (laughs) 
And that's such an important skill too, to be able to energize your clients that I'm sure serves them so well. I love getting off. So I I have a group coaching uh, course going right now. And we just had our first call, which is always really awkward because everybody's feeling each other out and like nobody wants to get too deep on the first call. Um, but it's so funny because, you know, our, our calls this time around are on Mondays. And I know that Tuesday things are going to be blowing up. People are going to be like, look what I did last night. And so I love feeling that energy from them the next day after we get off our calls and they finished a lesson and seeing what projects they're working to complete. Oh, it just, it makes me so happy. And whenever you were talking about, you know, having, um, having clients who have ADHD and how to utilize that, I don't know if have, have you ever taken or studied human design um, I haven't studied it. I know that I'm a generator. I have some friends that are, um, that have studied it. So yeah, I've gained my information from them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, I've, there's a podcast, um, called the, the day, day Luna podcast. And I've listened to them a lot, but I love like as a coach, like peeling back these layers of the human experience. And so I'm obsessed with the Enneagram. I love human design. And I, I know that they're just one layer of who we are as people, but one of the things that I learned is I'm a, I'm a man gen with, mm-hmm. with human design and man gens have to have the freedom to have 15 different irons in the fire at, at different times. And I always thought that was such a weakness, like, gosh, I can't even focus long enough to do X, Y, or Z. And not that I'm comparing it at all to having ADHD, like a, you know, a, a clinical, um, clinical diagnosis, but I still viewed that, that part of me of, needing to have a lot of different things happening at the same time in my business and in my life is a huge weakness. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can finally like just absorb that and embrace it and move forward with a hundred different projects that are, that I'm extremely passionate about. And I also have the freedom to go, okay, that's not working as well as I thought it was. And I can move on to the next passion that I have. So I just, I do love, I love coaching for that reason of just, yeah. What are your we- or what are your weaknesses? Great, acknowledge it. Move on with your life. What are your strengths? That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna hone in on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I love that so much, and I, I think you know, so much of designing a successful business comes down to knowing yourself really well, mm-hmm. and like knowing how you work, knowing how to set yourself up for success, and you know, sometimes. I, I operate my business from a belief that there's like no one way to build a successful business because there's no one like you and your own successful path to a business is going to be designing it around you and around how you work best. And, you know, um, all of these like tools of, around like personality tests and Enneagrams and uh, human design, I think can be really beneficial in understanding ourselves better. Right. Or at least putting, you know, taking off some of these glasses of just like, Let's see it for what it is. And then you can decide what you want to do with it. Right now, again, I'm in the first week with my students. Um, and the first the first couple of weeks are always the hardest. And I always tell them, just stick it out. Just bear with me and trust the process because it is that hard soul searching, that hard self-reflection. And one of my students was like, I loved it. And I hated you all at the same time. (laughs) And now I am so glad that I went through that, but she, she was, she did not want to do the the hard soul searching part. She was like, just tell me about marketing. What do I need to do for marketing? What do I, and I was like, you can't, you cannot jump into the marketing until you understand 
what you are bringing to the lunch table and how it's going, how you're going to communicate that with your people. So, Ooh, it's, it's the hard stuff. That stuff is so uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think like what you just hit on is so important. Oftentimes starting a business is at least this has been my experience is the biggest self-development journey of my entire life. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) For a lot of clients. And we don't always realize that. But I think if you skip over some of those like personal development things and really getting to know yourself um, and you just jump straight into the business, I think a lot of times that sets you up for burnout because it, you're oh, absolutely. who you are um, and you're going to have to get there at some point anyways. It's going to come through struggle and burnout. So why why not just start off with the personal Why delay the inevitable? Yeah. 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 I love that approach. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sam, I would love to hear if you have, do you have three tips? If, if you had to offer somebody three tips on really honing in on ethical marketing, what would they be? Would the first one be like, get to know yourself, do the hard work? Yeah, good question. I think the first one would be to dive into the things that make you uncomfortable. So ask yourself, what is it about sales and marketing that makes me really uncomfortable? And start to unpack that. I think the second thing, my second tip would be to lead with consent and I love the analogy of viewing sales as dating and viewing it kind of as like you're entering a relationship with someone and how can you make this a really safe process for them to take the next step with you. So lead with consent. And my third tip would probably be just to be kind to yourself. I think we're all on this journey of trying to do business in a way that feels good to ourselves, to us. And it's not always modeled for us. A lot of times we're taught a lot of like bro marketing tactics and schemes. And I think just knowing that you're going to make mistakes along the way and just being open to, to that and kind to yourself. Those are so perfect. Those are so perfect, Sam. I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are then on this new wave of marketing with those, the short form content, um, videos, TikToks, reels, what, what's your take on that? Because it is the fastest way to grow right now, if, if that's what your goal is to grow your social media. But I'll share with you a quick, quick story. Um, yeah. I fell in, I fell into the trap of doing the stupid crap where you're like dancing and lip syncing and like <laughs> just following these dumbass trends. Yeah. But then but nothing about that felt sincere to me. What felt sincere to me was face to camera, talking to the camera, telling people what I know. And if it connects with them, great, let's move forward. But I avoided that for two years because I thought I had to be doing the dancing and singing and shaking my butt, you know, on, on camera and nothing about that felt right. But I do see the need for it. And there's, there's always this challenge in entrepreneurship of like, there's a need, but how do I make it my own in a way that does mm-hmm. feel ethical and pure and resonates with me and the people that I want to work with. What are your thoughts on, on the reels and TikTok and just the short form content? Yeah, I think for a lot of us, it's a process of experimenting and trying what works and trying and, you know, figuring out what doesn't work for us. So, you know, those dancing reels, if they're not you, no shame that you tried them and (laughs) that you learned that it didn't work out. And now you've learned something and you know that this other type of reel is actually what works for you. And that feels authentic. That word authentic. (laughs) It feels true to who you are. 
I think it's really hard for us to fit who we are and what we do and also build trust with our people and like deepen that relationship with people in a really quick video. So I don't necessarily view Instagram or like some of those trends as uh, doing the whole, you know, taking, taking my clients on an entire journey from just meeting me to making a sale, because I think it takes a lot more of like building that relationship. So I think just, you know, grounding yourself in the fact that it is a relationship that you're building. It's a person that you're having a conversation with. And the, you know, if you want to use like TikToks and short form content to just spark something in them, to make them like lean in a little bit closer and be like, hmm, I want to learn more about her. That's, I guess that's my approach. I kind of use it as just a conversation starter. And then the the deepening of the relationship and like getting to know each other happens in other places. <laughs> it happens in DMs and on discovery calls and in real life and things like that. So. Absolutely. Very, very great points. Do you have, um, do you have a favorite failure? I feel like is as entrepreneurs, there's such a huge learning curve very quickly. Like it takes one, not, not mistake, but one step in the wrong direction or where you're not meant to be going for you to go, Oh, okay. Duly noted. Like it's just such a fast learning curve, but do you have a favorite failure? Yeah, I, held myself back a lot in the early years of my business. And this is something that I still have to remind myself to do. I think some of my failures come from my fear of failure and my fear of judgment of other people. And this is really common for entrepreneurs too, to kind of hide behind their business, hide behind the back end pieces of their business. So for me, I edited my website 10 different times and like kept tweaking it. And I never actually like shared anything or I wasn't active on social media. I wasn't like putting myself out there and sharing that I was open for business. Um, I think for me, that is probably one of the failures that I've learned the most from is um, doing the back end business things and like making sure that you have a perfect logo and a website and all of those things will only get you so far. And that's so much of business is just sharing yourself with the world. And for me, that was a stretching in my comfort zone that I had to learn to, yeah, had to learn to do and learn to do it in a way that worked for me. Yeah. There, there, there is this um, elusive seeming badge of honor by staying busy. And one of the things that I know drives my students nuts is I'm like, done is better than perfect. Get it out there. You can tweak all you want after you have sent out the invitation. And if you're not sending out the invitation, then none of this matters. But there is this like, yeah, elusive badge of honor in keeping busy as an entrepreneur. And oh my gosh, Sam, it was probably like three days ago. I had my first coaching call with this group of students. I had nothing to do. The course has been created. I did all this work in leading up to, to this moment of like, this is my third time running this course and everything's done. All the workbooks are done. My website's done. And I was like, I feel like my body was telling me you need to be doing something. You should be stressed. You should be panicking right now. Like you have a call tonight. And I was like, I'd have nothing to, I literally didn't even have anything to edit. I was like, I have nothing to edit. I have nothing to create. 
this is so weird. And I found myself, I kept lifting up the computer, but not having anything to do. And then I would shut it. And then I'd come back five minutes later and lift up the laptop and go, I I, like something should be happening. Why am I not keeping busy? And so it's this really Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, unsettling feeling to not be busy, but have your business still thriving, you know, like doing its thing. Yes. You just hit on like such a big point. Hustle culture is incredibly deeply ingrained in us. And I talk about this sometimes as like corporate conditioning. There um, are all of these things that we're taught to believe that one, make us successful and make a successful entrepreneur. And two, like what work should be like. And productivity guilt is something that I think is a lot of people can relate to, like feeling really guilty if you're not being productive Mm -hmm. in some way. And I think like, I'm the same way. I find myself like when I have a day where I don't do a lot of work, I start like feeling kind of guilty and being like, oh, like I didn't like, did I not move my business forward? Right. And I think a lot of times like getting caught up in this conditioning that we have that's so deep in our culture, when we start our businesses, it's really easy to carry that into business with us. And along the way, we somewhere like forget that this business was designed to provide us more freedom and to like help us live a lifestyle that we really wanted to live. And it's hard to give ourselves that permission to take a step back, to do work differently, to have fun and to rest. Really, Yeah. I was, I was just talking with one of my first students that I ever had. We were talking um, on Marco Polo the other day and she said, what are you doing this week? And I was like, well, I have a wedding Saturday, but I'm getting a massage today. I'm going to go hike with the boys. And I was just like, telling her what I had planned. And she goes, I need you to stop. You have made it. She was like, you're living the coaching life that you wanted to live. And I was like, I am. Oh my gosh. Like I'm done hustling. I'm done feeling like I have to stay busy. I'm like, I'm reading a book today. Like I'm doing things that, that I dreamed about doing, but never did it because I felt like I had to constantly just stay busy. And that story that you told at the beginning of going to this gorgeous view, this gorgeous mountaintop and not even being able to enjoy it. I spent the first six years of my business doing that of like, yeah, mm -hmm, this is great. Can we go? I've got emails. I've got brides calling me. I've got this and that. And like how much I, I had missed out on because I was afraid of feeling that joy. I was afraid of feeling that freedom. And I was afraid of not being busy that like my worthiness was wrapped up in how busy I seemed and it's, it's funny how once you get out of that world, how quickly it changes. Uh, last summer, I, I had friends that wanted to hang out and I would say, oh, I can't. I'm so busy. Like I'm packed. And they'd be like, that's great. Go you. You're so you're, you're so successful and busy. And I was like, yeah, I am. Well, then something changed in this year. I'm like, I will not use that excuse ever again. I will not tell them I'm too busy for them because the first couple times that I did it and they were like, oh, that's great. Good for you. I was like, no, no, this is not great. Do not, do not reward me for this. This is a, this is awful. I should not be feeling this way. And so it's funny how quickly it can switch once, once you, once you can change that thought process of busy equals successful. Mm, Absolutely. And how powerful that your friend was able to tell you like, look, your dream is here. You're living your dream. It was, it was (laughs) a very powerful moment. And I'm so grateful for her because she's one of those people who does ground me because she gets caught up in the hustle culture. And so she is very grounding to be like, Hey, you're doing the thing that you set out to do three years ago and it's here and you need to take a step back to really enjoy this. So 
super grateful for that and for her to just remind me, hey, this is what you work so hard for. Because like as entrepreneurs, we are just driven people. There is always another goal. There is always another financial um, endeavor or business or branch of our business that we want to start that it gets so hard to to stop and go, you know what? Me 10 years ago would be pretty freaking stoked about what this looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the tools that I love to help like kind of combat this hustle culture mentality that we all have is using celebration. And I think a lot of times you're so right. Like it's so easy to complete something, achieve something, and then just look on to the next thing and like move on really quickly to the next thing. And I think when we learn to celebrate ourselves, even in small ways of like taking yourself out to dinner or just like, you know, whatever it looks like, whatever that celebration looks like, you are slowing the process down and you're rebelling against hustle culture and you're learning to enjoy the journey, which I think is so much of entrepreneurship and so much of what this journey is about. Absolutely. I've started asking anytime one of my students messages me and says they booked or I just booked my highest package or I just got my first inquiry on my new site. I'm like, great. What are you doing to celebrate tonight? And one of my students was like, I don't know. I was going to go to Target. Maybe I'll buy myself a shirt. And I was like, good. There you go. Celebrate it and buy yourself a t-shirt. Like it, it doesn't have to be a big grand gesture. My, my husband and I love going out to eat. We, we love cooking, but like, there's just something about the excitement of going out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anytime, like I can guarantee anytime we book a wedding, anytime one of our, like I sign on a new student, we are going out for pizza. Like it's just, or, or we go buy like our favorite kombucha drink. Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I feel like it does send a message out to the universe that you're ready for more. It expresses that gratitude. And like you said, it puts a stop to that hustle culture of like, okay, good, great. They signed up. Who's, who's, who's next? What's next? Especially like being an entrepreneur can be so isolating that there is nobody there patting you on the back, like telling you to pause. And granted, a lot of people don't get that in the corporate world either, but I feel like there's more people around you at least to go, Hey, you finished that project. Like, that's great. Are you going to take a day off? What are you going to do? Or somebody to take you out to lunch for, you know, signing a big client. But when you're an entrepreneur, you are left to your own devices of, you know, patting yourself on the back. And like you said, celebrating and breaking that, breaking that toxic cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's also about allowing yourself to feel the joy and feel the emotions that come along the way of like having wins in business too. Cause so often we're like hustle culture tells us that someday when we have some unattainable goal, it's a moving target. It's always moving down the line. We will be happy someday when we like reach that one milestone, we will be successful and it's always moving. And then we lose ourselves in the process and we don't have fun in the process. And so I think you're so right. Like stopping and slowing down and celebrating is about feeling the joy and like having fun while you're building a business. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's supposed to be fun. And I think for a lot of people, before you get into entrepreneurship, 
it's very romanticized. One of the questions on my application is like, how would your life look different today if you were running your own business? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I would be going to yoga. I'd be getting up and doing my walks every morning. I'm actually going to drink my coffee while it's hot because my kids will be sleeping. And, but then, and it's great. And it's so romanticized and you get in it and you forget all the reasons that you initially wanted to be there and get into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really common. One of the things that um, for me was a pillar for success was getting to just travel at the drop of a hat whenever we wanted to. And I think this is why my friend was like, hold up. Have you stopped and paid your gratitude? Because we're going yeah. we're going to Crested Butte for two weeks. I have no photo shoot scheduled. I have nothing to edit. And she was like, you've made it. You're taking off two weeks in the middle of summer to leave and go be on vacation with your family and mountain bike. You're there. Mm. Like pay attention to that because especially as entrepreneurs, there's no time off. Like you go on vacation you're like, great. I still have 1500 emails to reply to. I still have stuff that I can be doing on the back end." And so I feel like entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and travel kind of goes hand in hand with like, I've made it, but I still have a ton to do. So it's such a, such a balance. Yeah, you're so right. And also what you just said, we're more than business owners too. Like sometimes it's really easy to make our entire business our identity mm-hmm. and like that's that's our entire world, but like don't forget in that process too that you're also a human being that has needs that like wants to go have fun and travel and spend time with your family or you know, whatever that looks like, like that's, that's important. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, what, when was the last time that you did not feel like enough? Hmm. I think I have moments every single day, little moments of not feeling like enough. And I think this is a pretty universal human experience of like doubting yourself. I was nervous before hopping on this podcast <laughs> interview. I was like, oh, what if I like mess up with my words or say something weird? You know, I had a client call yesterday that was closing off a series too, that I felt this moment of like nerves before hopping on the call where, you know, I kind of jumped into this little bit of doubt, like, what if this series wasn't what she expected? What if she's not happy with the series? And I think a lot of times I can break down this feeling of not enoughness to my fear of what other people think of me. And it's important to root myself back into the fact that all I can really do is just show up as myself and that that is more than good enough. Perfect. So perfectly said. And I, I, I 100% agree with that. My my uh, self-doubt and uh, imposter syndrome shows up at the beginning of my coaching because it is so much deep soul searching for them that I don't get to do as much teaching and just a little more guiding. And so I always get off those first couple calls and I'm like, oh my gosh, who hated it? What are they going to think? And like having to prove your worth through your through your business is so is so hard to balance that. But I'm I'm really excited to hear about you have some really cool opportunities coming up, Sam, to work with you both one-on-one and in a group setting. And so I would love if you would share how people can find you. We're going to put your website and social media in the show notes, but can you share a little bit about what you have coming up in the, in the next few weeks? Yeah, thank you. I'm going to be launching a workshop soon. It's going to be sometime in September around the topics of building a values-based brand. So we're going to really dive deep into how your values trickle through all of your business and all the way down to that ethical marketing. People that attend this workshop, I really hope we're going to walk away with some some answers, questions, 
some questions answered for them and also some content ideas that they can incorporate right away, really just to help call in more of their hell yes people. And then I'm also um, enrolling my one-on-one program as well. So I have client openings right now and we'll probably have a few later this fall as well. So if you're interested in learning more about me, you can go to my website at samblockcoaching.com or hang out on Instagram. My handle is at sam double underscore block. Awesome. Sam, this has been such a, a recharging conversation and I, I hope it was for you as well. And I know, I know that our listeners are going to be jazzed after this and I highly encourage you to reach out to Sam. Thank you so, so much for being here today. Thank you, Taylor, so much for having me. This was so fun and I really hope that your listeners gained something valuable out of the conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. And thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next time on The Fearless Vampire.